You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another week on The Geek's Watch. Guess what, John? We don't have to talk about Amazon Prime's uh, Electric Dreams anymore. Phil? You know, I am very relieved. Yeah? Did you feel any withdrawals not having to watch an episode this week? Um, You know what? I did have that sensation of, like, getting up late and having to go to work, but then realizing, oh, wait, no, today's my day off. (laughs) I don't have to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm okay with the fact that we didn't have to watch it, but that left us with a, with a hole and we don't want to start a new show just yet. So we're going to talk about the predator, which came out a few weeks ago. And, uh, if anybody is following us on social media, you'll know that John and I have two very different opinions on this movie. That is correct. All right. And I think I have the right one. I think you, you do have the right opinion for yourself. <laughs> Uh, but yes, we'll get to that after we talk about some geek news. First thing I want to talk about is a very, I mean, it's kind of a nice story, but it's because of bad things. Uh, we know that Burt Reynolds passed away a few weeks ago. He had been cast in Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, hadn't filmed anything yet. So Tarantino went to Bruce Dern and asked him to to replace uh, Burt Reynolds. And if you remember, Bruce Dern was in uh, Tarantino's last movie, Hateful Eight. Uh, so it, that's, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about Bruce Dern? What was he in again? I know I recognize the name, but I can't put a like a movie to him. A face to um. Did you watch Hateful Eight? Not yet. No. Did you see Digstown? That's a movie. It's a that's a movie. Oh. Um, that was my nickname. Oh, the Burbs. The Burbs with Tom Hanks. Was he the neighbor? He was one of the neighbors. He's the the military one. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I know that's a that's a long time ago. The, yeah. One no. of one of the more recent movies that he did that was that was very popular or very critically received was uh, Nebraska with Will Forte. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't watch it. I wanted to. I have not seen it. Um. There, I mean, he's he's done a lot. Of Sounds movies. like a venerated, respected actor. He is. Yeah. He very, very much is. Uh, but yeah, Bruce Dern, great actor, father to Laura Dern. Ah, okay, yeah, I remember the connection now. Okay, yeah, I know who he is. So, uh, oh, and there's a picture of him on on the screen. If you can. Oh, I thought myself. that was Larry David. <laughs> uh, but I mean, sure. I mean, I know I wouldn't put Bruce Dern in. Burt Reynolds is a, as they would play a lot of the same roles, so I, I find it weird that they they he went with Bruce Dern, but I'm okay with it. Well, and plus he's good at recasting people that he's worked with before, finding good roles for them in his movies. So I figure you gotta improvise and adapt. Then could do worse. You definitely could do worse. 
Hellboy, are you excited about this David Harbour movie? Yeah, I want to say so. Yeah. Well, uh, it looks like, uh, I think it's, is it Bloom House or Blumhouse that's well, making this movie? I no, so. Summit. Summit Entertainment oh. is making the new movie. They have moved the release date for this movie again. It is not coming out January 2019 anymore. It is now coming out Janu- April 2019. Uh, they're pushing it back to being closer to the summer. Do you think this is a good move, a bad move? Is it because they're afraid that it's not going to do well, or do you think it's because they think it's going to do really well? Yeah, they might think it's not. I mean, it's, it's kind of a known thing in Hollywood that you kind of put crap out in January. Mm-hmm. This is not a good month for movies. It is not. And um, I think a movie like Hellboy's probably would do better closer to the summer the thing is though i feel like i mean april you're gonna have to compete with captain marvel infinity or avengers 4 you know you're gonna have a lot of things to compete with around that time and in january you don't really have to compete but then again if people aren't going to the movies in january then you're not going to be making any money yeah and it might be easier to just kind of throw it out there in the mix with other comic book movies and trick the people that don't know that much about the comic book movies they'll be like well let's go watch one of them you know and just kind of get some residual attention that way i think it's probably more maybe they just need more time to finish it you think so i think so i mean they i mean this is i think this has been done for a while but they might go back and do some more reshoots or some just some post-production yeah Yeah. some post-production some polish up the effects very much so uh all right so over in the worlds of DC, is what I guess what they're calling it now, there's the Matt Reeves' The Batman movie. There's been a lot of talk about it. Still no casting news about it or anything like that, but Matt Reeves has finished his script. Uh, and this comes from Roberto Gonzalez on, uh, on Twitter. He's also a reporter for The Wrap. Uh, it says, The studio loves Matt Reeves' first draft of his Batman script. He is currently doing revisions, and the film is being eyed for a hopeful summer 2019 production start. Of the note, the current DC regime is committed to getting this take on the Caped Crusader correct. So, how do you feel about starting to film in 2019? Summer 2019. Well, first of all, by saying that they want to get this one correct... Would that imply that the current version that's part of the DCEU or whatever they're calling it was not correct? I would say so. I would say that's the the, the backhand jibe at it. Sort of a snide remark yeah. to the handling of the Batfleck. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and we don't even know for sure if uh, if he's even coming back for it, right? Because it's going to be a prequel of sorts, right? As far as we know. From what we understand, what what's been leaked out there and said in rumor is that it's supposed to be closer to a Batman Year One than as opposed to a Batman The Dark Knight Returns, like we saw with uh, Batman v Superman. So it's going to be another Batman Begins. But he Matt Reeves has said that it's not Batman Year One, so don't expect. Uh, an origin or anything like that or the beginning uh, like the beginning of his career just think just think more like year two it's going to be closer to the beginning of his career so it's a it's definitely a younger batman all right so he's already gone through the ninja training yeah the league of shadows he's already got the bat suit mm-hmm. and he's already got a few uh arrests under his belt then probably. Uh, well yeah, definitely he's, he's probably he fine-tuned his his toys and stuff like that 
Alright, so we're probably not gonna feature any crazy supervillains yet. It'll probably still be like mob based, so uh I don't think that you would go that way just because at this point people I, I think people wanna see the big supervillains. They don't wanna see just um mob guys like you saw in the first two like Dark Knight Falcone movies. Or Maroney. Yeah, exactly. Because those are those are characters that most audiences just forget about. You want you want your penguins, your Mr. Freezes, your Riddlers, and God forbid another Joker. <laughs> well, maybe this will tie into the uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Joker. Yeah, who knows? And then that can lead to, you know, that Joker killing one of the Robins, or you know, making him go crazy, and then that's how you end up with the Jared Leto Joker. Sure, <laughs> those are all possibilities. Hey, in one of the DC multiverses, I'm sure that's exactly how. That's it went exactly out. how it went. You know, that's. And that's literally what it is. It's it's all a, a Schrodinger's box at this moment. <laughs> it's it's all everything and nothing at the same time. Uh, speaking of, you know, yet uh, Todd Phillips, the director of Joker, is released yet another picture this week of uh, Joaquin Phoenix in clown makeup. Uh, he's sitting on a like a little stoop, and he's got the green wig on. This time, it's an actual green wig, and uh, you know, white makeup, looking more like a traditional clown. And he's just very sad. You know, it reminded me of a Mexican clown named Broso. Uh, in English, it translates like his name is Broso the Spooky Clown, basically. <laughs> okay. And yeah, he has that same kind of frizzy green long hair and uh, big nose. But he talks really surly like he's drunk. Mm. He's like a comedian. Okay. And I was just kept thinking about that. And I was like, hey, that's Brozo, which is a play on Bozo, which is the famous American clown from right. like the 60s. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think about it. Like, they're really, like, going hard with the clown angle. I was kind of hoping that the clowns would feature very little in it, and it would just be something wacky that, you know, well, the character's fractured mind, like, latches onto. <laughs> well, if you, if you remember from The Killing Joke, you know, he's the, he's the failed comedian, that takes the job as the Red Hood yeah. and then falls into the vat of acid. Yeah, none of that has anything to do with clowns. <laughs> no, and I'm thinking that they're changing comedian to clown in this. Like, he really wanted to be a clown, and he, he's just not good at it. I mean, that has potential for a really crazy, heartbreaking story where somebody's only dream is to be a clown. Something so simple as that. And you fail at that so hard that you go crazy. That you I just cannot... That get children to enjoy you like yeah. being around you can't make children happy yeah i mean i guess that's that's a thing it's yeah i mean it'd be like me just wanting so hard to be uh like window washer <laughs> you and just, just terrible not at being it. able to get it you, you just know, cannot get it down like you cannot wash those windows and not keep streaks off of them yeah uh somebody like rigged my squeegee like the <laughs> the window washer organization like is trying to set me up for failure they kept putting like other chemicals in your your bucket so that yeah. it doesn't clean properly uh well if you just walk across the hallway over to the other production offices at the dceu you have the joker and harley quinn spinoff movie which the writers have said they have finished their first script and it's kind of a mashup between Bad Santa and This Is Us. And that's because these writers have worked on those two properties. Uh, from what I understand, uh, at one point in the movie, or in the script, 
Harlequin goes and kidnaps actual Dr. Phil and then has Dr. Phil kind of work on the relationship between her and the Joker. So about this about this movie wow yeah i mean i hope it ends with her shooting him after his like prognosis uh, shooting the dr phil yeah mm. like doesn't like his uh i don't know at this point you know they try not to make oh sorry folks they try not to make harley quinn do anything that's too necessarily evil or bad like shooting dr phil might not come off at well for her persona her her brand but she's not a good person. She's she's not, no. But people love her, <laughs> so they can't make her in a villain. You can't be a proper villain. She can be an anti-hero, but you can't just go around shooting innocent people. Now, if throughout the movie or at the very end of the movie, like Dr. Phil gives her gives the prognosis and then he starts mouthing off and saying, you know, you guys are a bunch of stupid idiots kind of stuff, then you've given the right for Harley Quinn to shoot him, but not kill him. Yeah, so he like reaches up and you know, gets a gun or something and aims it at her. Yeah. Then he forfeits his life at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So no, that's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I I don't. And then you know, there's always the third Joker movie, the one that's Jared Leto says that is still in production too. So I hope you I hope the 2020s are ready for all the Jokers that we're going to be getting. Yeah, year of the Jokers. <laughs> Jokes on us. Everybody, everybody's talking about. Oh, it's going to be the 20s again. You're going to have great Gatsby parties and shit like that. Well, <laughs> guess what? They're all going to be filled with Jokers. Well, we are in line for another Great Depression, so it sounds like it's lining up. There you go. There you go. Uh, so still speaking about comic book movies, over at the Marvel Studios. They have picked a director for The Eternals. Now, I want to say this. I read a lot of comic books. I know absolutely nothing about The Eternals. I thought I didn't know anything about The Inhumans, but I actually do know some stuff about The Inhumans. I know nothing about The Eternals. Uh, However, Are The Eternals the ones that work with the Celestials? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've read a couple of their issues, actually. Okay. That's literally the only thing I know. If you talk about Celestials, you're talking about Eternals. Um, but and their leader's name is Icarus. So uh, they've picked a, a director, and her name is Chloe Zhao. Zo, Z H A O. I think that's Zhao. Zhao. Okay. I literally have not seen any of her other stuff that she's directed. Before this was the writer songs by uh, songs my brother taught me, a couple sh- and then a bunch of shorts. See, she has not directed a lot of movies, but. Um, you know, Marvel, she was part of the giant, like, director audition that Marvel had when they said they were Mar- they were doing audition, like, they were talking to directors for the Black Widow movie. Like, it came with, like, 120-some directors or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think really what it was was, like, hey, we're going to have a lot of Marvel movies coming out here pretty soon. Let's just get a whole bunch of directors in here to talk about what, you know, what they want to do. And she, I guess was like, hey, Eternals. <laughs> I would imagine a director audition would look something like they have them sit in the little folding chair and they have them yell action and cut. Yeah. <laughs> and whoever has like the loudest, clearest voice is who they give it to. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. So you wouldn't give it to like Gilbert Godfrey is what you're telling me. Probably not. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to hear that all day. <laughs> uh, and then the the two writers is Matthew and Ryan Furpo. Um whose spec script Ruin topped the 2017 Blacklist, uh, which Blacklist is a is a, is a a list of scripts that go around Hollywood that just never get made. 
I don't know if you know that. Like, but they're a really high acclaim. Yeah, isn't it like? Um, I thought I've heard it referred to as something different, but yeah, it's like these are the the hottest scripts going around right now that are not just sitting there. Right, and they're not at any particular studio and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but they've they've written the script. We'll see. Let's see what happens next couple. Probably in the next few months, we'll hear more about it when, as they're gearing up towards uh, making the movie. Now, this lines up with the rumor I've been hearing about Avengers Four going full cosmic. You know, I want to talk about this because it does sound like. I mean, you got you got Captain Marvel. Obviously, is going to be a big part of uh, Phase Four. Um, you have at least one more Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is also cosmic. I don't. And I think they've been mentioning that they will be using the script from James Gunn on that one too. Yeah, I think that's the last. The last thing we've heard so far is that yes, we will be using the game, James Gunn script. And then you know you got this idea of the Eternals, and I don't want all the MC movie MCU movies to be cosmic now. What I, I want stuff that's based on Earth. Well, Earth is so last century. Yeah, well, start expanding out to the cosmos. I, I don't, I don't want to see that. Like, <laughs> see, and I mean, even Doctor Strange. If you do more Doctor Strange movies, it's is it going to be extra dimensional, or we're going to be going more Dorm- Dormammu stuff? You know, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be more interdimensional because that's his realm. Though. Like, that's the whole thing. He yeah, does. but it could do magic and still be on Earth. You don't have to do interdimensional all the time. Yeah, but I feel like to get really crazy with it. Think of it like in Dragon Ball terms, like when they started getting to like world destroying power. Dragon Ball. All right, well, to all the people that know Dragon Ball, you know that point in Dragon Ball Z when they had to leave Earth because they're literally so powerful that their very fights were destroying the environment. And by the end of that season, like the whole planet was destroyed. You can't destroy Earth, but you can go to another planet and then just go nuts and just destroy there because. Now you you can do that. So I have a feeling that we'll see uh, cosmic stuff because you can only have you know planets blowing up that aren't Earth. Otherwise, <laughs> it you know you run out of movies to do. Anyway. Are you are you saying that the stakes like after Avengers three and Avengers four like the stakes have just gotten so, so high that you can't just stay around on Earth and have low key, low risk stories anymore that is exactly what i'm saying you can't do the street level you can though like i mean we're gonna we're supposed to be getting this black widow movie and that's going to more than likely take place in the past uh i think you can still do your your spy movies and your war movies here on earth instead of having to go into outer space i mean that's one of the things about marvel was supposed to be that hey we have the the characters at marvel that are just like you they're not the big gods yeah, but I like the gods more. Well, then stick it, stick to DC. <laughs> yeah, but DC's so glum. Yeah, like, well, the movies are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm just saying. I I hope. I mean, obviously, if you know, with the the Black Panther franchise, I doubt we're gonna go into outer space with those guys. Even though they have, they obviously have the technology to do it. Oh yeah. But uh, it, I'm surprised there's not a, like a Panther base on the moon with how much technology <laughs> they have. Well, I think the the, the Wakandans <laughs> have always realized that we need to keep to ourselves here. Obviously, they wouldn't. They never wanted to leave the 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 safety of Wakanda and keep it a secret. You can't really launch a rocket ship into outer space and hit the moon without people knowing. Yeah, I wonder just exactly how isolated they were, though. Because, I mean, did they have access to the internet? Did they have theaters that would play like regular movies you'd have in the states? Did they have their own entertainment, their own channels? I assume they have their own channels, but they get everybody else's entertainment too. Like, would you really deny the Wakandans? Star Wars? 
Maybe they made their own. Oh, did they? They came up with their own. Yeah, okay. it's like Wakanda Wars. Oh, fair enough. Uh, but then again, maybe they're just so prosperous that like we don't need entertainment stuff like that. We 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 just we do our jobs and we we love our lives kind of thing. I guess you know when you really think about it, I'm like, was Wakanda really that great? I mean, Wakanda is great. They have a lot of technology, and their leaders like really cool. Like he can kick other leaders' asses, but. <laughs> Like, what's the life of an average Wakandan? Because you have that crazy-looking city. I would say that it's almost a socialist kind of uh, Yeah, but you still have, like, herders and, like... Yeah, obviously. I mean, like, but Bucky was, like, shearing sheep or something. I don't know what I, he was doing. I, wasn't he... Was he shearing sheep? I think he was picking up bales of hay or some shit. I don't know what he was doing. But, like, you would think he'd have, like, a cushy office job or something with the, <laughs> all that technology. Instead, he's doing manual labor. Like, well, that's kind of, I don't know, some kind of political commentary there. Okay. It's like, we de-armed the white man, and now we're making him, you know, lift things. He's a beast of burden. <laughs> but he was also, like, working on his mind. Like, literally trying to get programming out of you do you really want someone that could be a uh, double agent working near technology that he could give to someone else well just keep him away from russian you know trigger words and you'll be okay uh i mean look i i obviously i'm going to be there for whatever they do next with the marvel cinematic Giza. i just don't want it to be all cosmic i don't think it will but i want the third black panther movie to be Black Panther, or Wakanda going up against Atlantis, and then we get the introduction of Namor, and then thus Namor movies after that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe they can find a way to squeeze in after the Fox thing finally settles, get some Fantastic Four action in Fantastic there. Fantastic Four and X-Men. Some, uh, I'm still holding out for a Savage Land movie. That could be cool. Something that takes place with dinosaurs. I mean, think about it. You already have Chris Pratt in dinosaur movies. Just have <laughs> them join the Avengers or the X-Men. <laughs> and, you know, maybe even have like a, a cameo or a spinoff where both of them take place at the same time. And you have a split screen Chris Pratt as Owen from Jurassic World meeting Chris Pratt. Okay, now Guardians. I'm cutting you off. You can't talk anymore <laughs> for the rest, of the, the rest of the episode. I've had a lot of Starbucks today. My yeah. mind is racing. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next thing, uh, Telltale Games. I don't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but Telltale Games is shutting down. Um, yeah, they have kind of run out of money. They had to be beholden to their stockholders, their shareholders, and they shut down most of their production of everything, and which includes uh the walking dead the final season which they're in the middle of i think they're like on chapter two or something like that and the stranger things that they were working the stranger on. things they were working on some pictures of that got leaked on online I've seen a couple of videos yeah yeah uh now the more comes out about this you more you the more you find out there was actually some really shady stuff going on behind the scenes yeah that's what it sounds like and <laughs> that's the kind of the story was going up is that the the union the game maker unions are getting pissed off because like telltale games is trying to go to uh other gaming developers to try and finish off the the walking dead the final season video game to so that they can finish that seat the, the the season off or whatever and uh the unions are like hey man you can't do that you gotta pay the employees that were working on it kind of stuff so yeah and apparently they would do a lot of those uh business practices where they'd hire people as uh, temporary like workers, I guess. Yeah. And then in, the, in order to circumvent uh, 
you know, paying them more and having to lay them off right after they're done with whatever they were contracted to do rather than keeping them on full time. So, yeah, it's it sounds like it was a, a company putting out good product, but at a very high cost. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, obviously, there's just more to, to, to watch as that unfolds, but we'll see. It's a real shame, too. It it's a real like shame. It yeah. Was, uh, some good stuff coming out of that studio. Uh, do you remember the movie High Fidelity? I do. So in that movie, you have Jack Black. You do have Jack Black <laughs> as a crazy Elitist record record sales. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was it? The guy comes in to buy uh, uh, Lionel Richie for his daughter. Something like it's that. It's uh, what's the song? What's the his? What's his big song? One of his big songs. All night long or something. No, not that one. It's the, it's the. Not. Do you ever know? It's you're my hero, but maybe it's hello. Oh, is it me you're looking for? Is it that one? I think so. Is that the one he's asked for? And he's like, I want to buy it for my daughter. And he goes, Your daughter does not want that record. (laughs) You do not know any. Oh wait, did she just wake up out of out of a coma? Because that's the only reason why she'd want that record. Um. Well, it's being made into a TV show. A TV series over at where Disney, the Disney streaming service for all of all places, which I have heard they are not going to do anything that's adult uh, themed over there, like adult shows, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like it's going to be real PG. Yeah. Um, so how exactly friendly. do you do High Fidelity and not have adult? I mean, the whole the whole point of that movie was. John Cusack's character gets broken up with, and he goes and he um, tracks down his ex-girlfriends to be like, "What? What is it about me? What did I do wrong? Where? Why are my relationships never work?" Kind of thing. Yeah. And obviously, you, you, the the movie gets into adult themes of relationships, sex, marriage, all those kind of things. How do you make this a TV show without having those themes? I'm guessing they're going to neuter it completely, and they're really just adapting the concept of having a snooty uh, record, record, like sales environment. It's, 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 I'm sure that's entirely what it's going to be. People will come in, they request something, the people working there will be like, "Why do you want that?" And uh, you know, they'll give a story, and then they'll make jokes, and then at the end of the day, it says, "No, get out of my store. Like you don't deserve to buy this or something." And I think that's pretty much it. I don't think it's going to have any relationship stuff. I mean, if it's true what they're saying, how they want to have it, you know, completely sanitized, I don't see what else they could do except for that part of the concept. Yeah, same. Uh, so I, it, it, the character that John Cusack played, I guess, is going to be played by Zoe Kravitz now. Now, which I find funny because one of the characters, or one of the, yeah, one of the characters that John Cusack goes back to one of his ex-girlfriends is uh, portrayed by Lisa Bonet, who is the mo- real-life mother of Zoe Kravitz. Oh, right on. Yeah, L- L- Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz is her parents. So is it a full circle kind of thing, or is it just a happenstance? Do you think they were taking that into oh, account? That has to be intentional. There's no way that that's a, a happy accident. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, look. I think that it is an interesting movie to be turned into a series. I just don't think that the sanitation, the sanitizing of it would work. 
Yeah, I mean, it should be like on Showtime or something. I mean, just from that screenshot I'm looking at right now, that looks like it's taken from like Playboy. Like uh, that the, this, looks this this photo of Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, I mean, like she's not naked or anything, but just the way it's framed and that logo that's to her left. I mean, that's probably nothing related to the to the show. No, it's not. But it's just like that makes me think of like, oh, is that from like Brazzers or something? <laughs> and wow. Yeah, <laughs> and um, not that I've ever been there before. But, no, of course not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they could adapt it. I it doesn't sound promising if it's going to be just a neutered version of just snarky, you know, mus- music uh, retailers. Um, and even maybe it'll also just have jokes about the idea of like, oh, you're still buying physical media in this yeah. digital world, you know? Like it, that's got to be a weird thing. I mean, it's going to be just a whole bunch of hipsters coming into the the record yeah, store and stuff like that. I'm already kind of groaning at the potential humor that could come from that. That's weird. Uh, okay, so uh, that's pretty much all the news I had. Did you have some particular things that you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, so kind of staying with the whole Marvel Comics and movie release dates, they released a trailer for Dark Phoenix recently. Mm-hmm. And then I believe within less than 24 hours, they said, oh, yeah, so we're pushing that back like three months. Yeah. And So uh, once again, the movie's pushed back again. Yes. And um, I was going to ask you, what did you think of the trailer? Um, I'm not excited. I, I don't know. I like Sophie Turner. I think she's she's a good enough actress. I like I like her in the Game of Thrones. I mean, she obviously hasn't. I'm I don't think I've seen her in anything else yet. Legs for days. Yeah, I don't think she's been in anything. Else oh, either. I mean, she was in the last. X-Men well, yeah. Movie, be- besides that, yeah, I haven't seen her in anything else as like other than Jean Grey or Sansless. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I guess we can we can see how they do this, how they do this Dark Phoenix story this time around. I mean, I was getting some flashbacks to X Men Three though. That yeah, there's definitely, definitely you can definitely see, but I mean, how do you do that story without doing almost the exact same thing? It's it's pretty much the story how it is. So you, I, to me, it just seems like they're it's more of the same. And then what I've heard at least as speculation is that uh the reason why we're getting such we're getting they had such extensive reshoots and the fact that it's getting pushed back yet again is because um they're wrapping it up they're literally putting an end to it so that when it gets absorbed into uh disney or marvel studios like this particular continuity will not be moving forward exactly Uh. so i wouldn't say that i'm excited for it What, what about you uh no, I'm not really. I I thought that Age of Apocalypse was really bad. It was really bad. Um I mean a few moments here and there like with Quicksilver were okay, but I, just it was not great. I just don't understand like okay, when we started over again with First First Class, like I loved that movie. I thought that movie was yeah, great. It's was probably good. it's probably my second favorite of the X-Men movies. X-Men 2 your favorite? Nope. Which one? Oh, you know which one. Oh. Yep. <laughs> so uh, you go. Uh, you you need the recasting of Magneto and Xavier. I thought was amazing. I love both Fastbender and uh, McAvoy, and I thought they were great. But since First Class, we've kind of had the same story over and over with Magneto. First, he starts off as a good guy and their friend, and then he ends up being the bad guy and, and destroying everything. Like it's they've done the exact same thing in all four movies. Four, three, four. 
It's, well, it's been three so far. You got first, first class, class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and now this one. And now Dark Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, and, and once again, the trailer, we see that, you know, him and Xavier are cordial with each other. They're hanging out and talking. And then there's the the, the still photos they're releasing show uh, Fassbender in the wheelchair and, you know, the X-Men team pushing him around kind of thing. So are we going to do this yet again? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Because I was I was almost worried there for a second. Yeah. No, Fox just doesn't know how to evolve and actually move things forward. It seems like they just get fixated on a certain uh, dynamic and they just stay stuck there. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same thing. I mean, the I, at this point, the only thing that'll be different is it'll be the first X Men movie with all Wolverine. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Well, was he in a day, Age of Apocalypse? Yes. He oh, was, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's, he has, yeah. He has that one scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean that that's true. That will be the it will be the first X Men movie without Wolverine in it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, unless you count the Deadpool movies, which I really don't. Okay. <laughs> that's just reused footage, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um. Oh, I guess that's true. I I mean, he's not in the first one though. Yeah. I mean, you see his face because it's the the magazine that he's cut out. But he's not in the first Deadpool movie. That's right. Yeah. But he is in the second Deadpool movie because of the the footage they used from X Men Origins Wolverine. That is correct. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I yeah, I mean, sure, whatever Fox <laughs> want to do with X Men, do it. We we know it's going to Kevin Feige to to get to hold of soon. Which Bob Iger over at Disney has said, yeah, if. Once we get the X-Men stuff, I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige will be in charge of those characters just as well as he's in charge of all the Marvel characters. Now, I had heard a rumor, and I mean, who knows how accurate this might be, probably just BS uh, or speculation, but I heard that uh, if this series was going to continue, then this movie would see, essentially, at by the end, you'd see the disappearance of Jean Grey or the hibernation of her thanks to the Phoenix Force, which would cause the next movie to venture out into outer space. I could see that because I've, I've heard that you're supposed to see the Shi'ar at some point yeah, in this movie. Yeah, the Shi'ar would that then factor in, and then that would also bring in the brood, and then it'd be just a big old mess. Now, what, what, what did they say that they were pushing the, the X- X-Men Dark Phoenix movie back to? What's the date? Um, so it was supposed to come out in February, mm-hmm. so I think it's being pushed... Uh, to April. So if it comes out in April, that's after Captain Marvel, but before Avengers Infinity or whatever four, the next one is. Avengers four, well, yeah, whatever it's End gonna be called. Endgame or whatever. If it's called Endgame. I want to call it Avengers Proton Cannon. No, I want to talk to you about that because I still <laughs> think that's fucking retarded. All no, right. not retarded, I'm sorry. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Mitch. Uh anyways, but <laughs> is it a possibility that this new reshot ending could have a anything to do with the Marvel Studio Studios, a Marvel Cinematic Universe? Crossover potential? Yeah. I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, you you don't see why it couldn't. I don't see why it shouldn't. Oh, I like that better. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if one of the things we were speculating before was that when they were during the wrap-up process and still filming uh, the next Avengers was when the Fox deal finally went through. 
Now, we were speculating, oh, at the end of uh, Infinity War, are we going to get some kind of teaser that shows us, uh, you know, I was fully expecting when that pager went off to either show us a 4 or an X. Ooh, I was expecting a 4, not an X. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to get something really awesome right here. It was Captain Marvel, so, I mean, it's still it's cool. It's still pretty but, awesome, yeah. But, I mean, now that in that time frame, now we, in since then, the Fox deal has been finalized. Uh, it is being absorbed by Fox. Why wouldn't they? I think they still have to wait for uh, other courts, other national courts to say it's okay too. Oh, so it's it's still not a done deal? I still think it's not exactly a done deal, mm -hmm. but I could be wrong. Well, in either case, what we can definitely agree on is that uh, oh. New Mutants is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it's true. I, that feel, I feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah. um, however, yes. So you have, what, a Redditor come out and say that, hey... That image that the Russo brothers tweeted out and asked everybody to look hard. You see this uh, cylinder that's over in the, the left-hand side of the picture, <laughs> which was also seen in Avengers Infinity War behind Rhodey. It's to everybody, or this Redditor is, is speculating that uh, it's the proton, proto cannon, proton cannon that will be attached to probably Rhodey's war machine uh, suit. Yes. No, so the, the it's whole, not a protein cannon. The whole thing goes like this. So that picture that they released on Twitter, which says look hard. Right. You know, you look hard. All you see is just like behind the scene, you know, equipment, you know, lighting. A and, lot of people speculating that the stuff, the shapes are making out letters. Yeah. Which spells out endgame or whatever. But the one thing that you can clearly see that's not equipment, it's a prop, is... Uh, a piece of qui equipment. It kind of almost looks like a fuselage of a jet engine or something. Right. And uh, it was very clearly seen in the the part where Rhodey uh, is talking Rhodey to is talking to uh, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross. Ross. Yeah. And uh, Captain America and the others show up. It's in the background. It's in the the, the lap or whatever. So it's it seems like it could have been something that we're working on. Initial speculation is like, oh, what if that's like a shield version of that uh, quantum tunnel? Um, but very, very hopeful fans like myself are speculating, well, because it was in the lab with Rhodey's equipment, what if it was the Proton Cannon? First seen, I believe, in Marvel vs. Capcom or right. Marvel Super Heroes, one of those video games. Right. And it was, it's been stated that the Russo brothers have commented that they love the Marvel video games. And I love the Proton Cannon. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those, uh, you know, I, look, overcompensating to, for something. But uh, for, I yeah, really <laughs> maybe. But for me, if you could already do a unibeam out of your chest, you don't need a proton cannon. But see, the unibeam just uses concentrated uh, arc reactor power, or whatever. The proton cannon is like a portable hadron collider. Oh, it that is, is it now? way different. Yes. Not only will you might just obliterate the person, you could mutate them too. Uh, you could send them into a different dimension. <laughs> you could send thing. them into another you plane of existence. You could turn their body into a black hole that will consume itself. Wow. So you just needed that extra oomph of fuck you, huh? Well, I think that's what they're going to need. The, the Infinity Gauntlet has to have... The uh, Infinity Gauntlet's destroyed. We saw it destroyed at the end of the movie. 
You know what? We saw it all sizzly and crackly, but we don't know what really happened to I it. I think they said that they that it's it's destroyed. It's gone like it's completely useless. If, if it is, then there shouldn't really be any problem defeating Thanos at that point. You would think so. But uh I don't know. Maybe maybe I heard that wrong. Look, I'm just saying I think the theory that this redditor put out there is a little bit of a stretch. To me, it just looks like a uh like a a rocket boost of some sort. Well, I mean, it just jives with me that you know why would you include of all the props and of all the random equipment just one inconspicuous rocket looking thing in the background of one quick scene in the first movie just happens to be making a comeback apparently but you even said so yourself it's it's sitting there clearly like for someone to see and the whole point of the thing was look hard if it's if it's if it could be easily seen then you're not looking yeah, that hard but most people would see that and not really understand what they're looking at i mean everybody was looking for different things i mean people somehow figured out that oh if you look at these different things it almost looks like it's spelling out the word endgame <laughs> and that's a stretch because you really that's definitely have a stretch to, i don't i don't believe it i don't believe that's what they were doing yeah but. like you really have to squint and tilt your head and <laughs> you have to you have to fill in a lot of blanks for yeah. some of those letters to actually work out i don't know i have a good feeling i, I feel like sometimes some of these are wacky predictions end up coming true and i have a strong assumption that this is going to lead to uh, a proton cannon appearance and when it does uh, I want this moment to be noted in history as uh, <laughs> episode 97. <laughs> yeah, 97. John said, Hey, there's going to be a proton cannon in Avengers 4. I only wish, I mean, I, and I'm always championing the proton cannon. I just wish I would have associated it to this particular uh, Twitter pay, uh, picture. But other than that, I'm always hopeful that we'll see the proton cannon no matter what, and no matter the context. Uh, okay, I think that's enough for Geek News this week. Let's go ahead and talk about the movie we want to talk about this week, The Predator. It sucked. It was amazing. <laughs> so uh, I think that this is another one of these movies. It's very divisive amongst amongst fans. Uh, it, it's doing well, but it's also not doing critically well. So um, I myself, I would say that I'm a fan of the first Predator movie. Not the biggest fan. I'm no. It's not something I go out of my way to rewatch every year, or often. But uh, I do like the idea of the movie, and I like you know how it's set up. Predator Two, I think I've seen maybe once in my lifetime. Uh, I've seen Alien versus Predator a few times. I saw Alien versus Predators, or Aliens versus Predator, uh, Requiem once, and then I've seen the or I've seen Predators. A few times, which I really enjoyed, and I'm glad that there are some maybe callbacks to that in this movie. Yeah, definitely. So, what's your lineage for Predator? Oh, yeah. I also really love Batman Dead End, if you've ever seen that short. Yes, I have. Have it you w- also read the comic Batman I've never versus read. Predator? No, I've never read the comics, nor have I ever read the Alien vs. Predator comics. I have played the Alien vs. Predator video game, where you, you can play as the soldiers, and you work with the Predators to take down aliens. The arcade game? Yep. That one was awesome. That, I played that one. I've oh. never played the console one. I always wish that that was what they adapted into a movie, and not the crappy Antarctic expedition what we one got. That we got. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, my relation to Predator is, I saw the original movie, um, I guess it was during the time that I used to have HBO in my childhood, and I was also not supervised, mm-hmm. so I could watch whatever I wanted, <laughs> and that was one of the movies that would play on constant rotation on HBO, and I loved it. 
I just loved everything about it. It's it struck that itch of aliens, technology, GI Joe type of action with soldiers. It was just it was the best. It was and as a matter of fact, I believe that the idea for the Predator script began with uh, an idea of uh, Rocky. Okay. Um, whoever the original uh, writer is, it wasn't Shane Black. Shane Black was added later to punch up the script, but he wasn't the original screenwriter. Okay. And the idea was, where do you go with Rocky after he defeated Ivan Drago, who was like the symbol of you know the Cold War, mm-hmm. and is, you know what essentially would be his most dangerous adversary, essentially like a steroided up superhuman. Did the first. Predator movie come out after Rocky Four? Yes, Rocky Four came out in eighty five, yeah. and Predator came out in eighty seven. Oh, okay. So the idea was it started as a joke. It's like, who else does Rocky have left to fight? It was like, well, what about an alien? And that became the the thesis for Predator. It's funny because when they go to Rocky Five, you know who else who, who they need who they get Rocky to fight after that? Poverty. <laughs> that's that's who you you get Rocky to fight after yeah, fighting a Russian. He, he could defeat communism, but not capitalism. That's right. All right. But sorry, derailed you. As an aside, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really became a huge fan of Predator just because it's it it was a funny, action-packed, special effect-driven, just perfect movie. It was like a perfect action movie. Okay. Um, it didn't aspire to be high art. It just aspired to be entertaining. And in that measure, I believe it did wonderfully. And I loved it. Uh, Predator 2, I remember watching it in theaters. Somehow I convinced my parents to take me. Uh, and and uh, I think we talked about this before. That was, what, 92 when that, that came was, out? That was, I believe, 91 or 92. But it's but supposed it to be taking place in 97. Yeah. Yes, 10 years after the first one, mm-hmm. which is weird. And they referenced that in uh, in the, this new movie. Right. So that one I remember not liking as much. And I, I realized after the fact it was because the Predator looked more fake in this one. Hmm. Uh, they changed the way the prosthetics work in the first Predator. Kind of a little behind-the-scenes trivia. Um, it was originally played by John Claude Van Damme. Really? Yes. There's a You're really joking. No, that's absolutely true. The first Predator, the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger has to fight in the jungle, is is John Claude Van Damme underneath all that prosthetic. Originally was John Claude Van Damme. They changed halfway through. There's a whole another thing about that that we can discuss at some other time. I'll show you some videos. But uh, okay. Yeah, John Claude Van Damme was hired to play the Predator. At that point, he was a relative unknown. Uh huh. Eighty seven. In 87, yeah. He'd done a couple of small parts. Like, I think he was the villain in uh, No Best Retreat, of the No Best Surrender. Type. Yes, that one. I love that movie. And yes, he plays a Russian yes. bad guy. Yeah, that's the one. Um, but he was relatively like unknown. He didn't really have a lot of speaking parts. Uh, shortly after he quit Predator, he went to go do Cyborg instead. And that's where he started to actually become a bit better well-known. Mm. But yes, they hired him to play the Predator. Uh, the original suit looked more like a lobster Kind of. It looked like an insect. It was really weird looking. Okay. And John claude Van Damme is not a tall man. So, like, it was not very imposing. It looked really silly. And so the director decided to fire him. There's different stories, apparently, as to why he ended up getting fired from the job. Some say that he quit because you couldn't see his face and he wanted to showcase his martial arts more. Other people say he was just a complete asshole to work with and they right. just couldn't stand him. I was going to say, most people say that he's not he's not the best person to work with. Yeah, all of these are very plausible. So <laughs> it could be any one of these reasons. But ultimately, Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, hey, well, 
since you're getting rid of him, uh, why don't we call our my friend Stan Winston, who he had worked with previously on Terminator, right? And it's like, why don't we get him to decide to design something different? Because this thing looks kind of, you know, kind of crappy. So it sounds like the original Predator was supposed to be a lot more hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, he was very, uh, he was much more on screen um, and didn't seem to have as much technology, mm. um, which they definitely changed. So they decided, okay, instead of that, we're going to go with as tall of a person as we can find. It's going to be a suit. And we're going to make him just look really like the ultimate game hunter. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the original movie was called The Hunter. Mm. And then they changed it to Predator. And I think because it sounded also, cooler. That's a reference, yeah, that they do <laughs> in this one. But um, so long story short, yeah, they designed the Predator. He looks really iconic now. I believe Stan Winston was traveling with James Cameron. They were on a plane. And Stan Winston was designing the Predator. And James Cameron says, you know what would look cool? If he had mandibles. Like his mouth just opened up like right. something really unnatural. And Stan Winston really loved that idea and um, drew it that way. And that's how we got this ultimate design. So long story short to segue about why I love the first Predator more than the second one. In the first Predator, you have a really tall actor and he's wearing contact lenses. They're very uh, kind of reptile looking. They got kind of like that slit look. Mm. But they're his eyes. The second Predator, the face is entirely animatronic, and the eyes are fake. Mm. And I feel like that's why I felt a bit of a disconnect. When the real, when the first Predator, I was going to say when the real Predator, <laughs> when the first Predator is looking at Arnold or looking around after he's taken his mask off, you, he's acting with his eyes, even though he doesn't say anything in, you know, in, in any language, but it just looks really cool. And then the second one, it just I found out the second movie was actually directed by the... Same director that did Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. Oh. Which uh, was one of the more effect-driven ones. It had a lot more... That one's Freddy's Nightmare. Freddy's Nightmare. The one where his uh, you see his past for the first time. Like uh, as that, a, was, that would be Freddy's Dead then. Wasn't that the new Nightmare? Well, there's the new Nightmare is I think it's 6 or 7. It doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so that one had like a different style to it. I also didn't really like that it took place in such an urban setting. Um, I feel like, really, like the Predator I, I like to be in this environment. Well, see, I thought that was a great... I mean, how often do you hear of the big urban cities being called the urban jungle? Like, it's the idea that could the Predator work as well in a urban jungle as opposed to a Amazon jungle? Well, the thing that made it cool in the in the the jungle jungle, I guess. Okay. Uh, the uh, IRL jungle was the the isolation. You know, it's you and it in the middle of nowhere, and but in a big city, you could also feel very isolated. I guess it's just to me, it's harder to. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's certain aspects I like about it. I just don't like it as much. It didn't resonate with me as well. Because it just felt like too much of a juxtaposition or a, a, a difference right. of uh, you know going from one extreme setting to another. I, I felt like they could have bridged that a little bit better. Um, ultimately, I didn't hate it. It's not a bad movie. I just I didn't like it as much as the first. Okay. I like that they introduced new technology, like that disc, that boomerang disc mm-hmm. that turns back, and the little. I I always love one of my favorite things besides the weapons is. Like the little gadgets that the predators use, they're so practical and inventive. <laughs> like the fact that you know they have first aid kits, 
Like, how often do you see, like, an enemy force, especially an alien enemy force, that has a first aid kit that also looks like it hurts like hell when they use it? Yeah. You know? Like, they're bandaging themselves up, pulling bullets out of their wounds, the really awesome glow-in-the-dark blood, uh, which I found out was the liquid from glow sticks mixed with KY jelly. That's right. It was uh, pretty pretty gnarly. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's, a, you know, that's a creative effect that you can do at home if you want to. I already got a bunch of KY jelly laying around, so... Just need to get some glow sticks. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, you know, there was kind of a dry spell. Uh, you know, there was a few comics here and there. The video game, uh, Alien vs. Predator, the movie, I uh, wasn't a big fan of. I watched it, of course, because why not? But I just, I hated that that's the story they went with. Like, everything prior to that had, like, established the canon that, oh, they're attracted to warm environments because, you know, it's mimics their natural home or something like you know they have theories you don't know a lot about the predators Mm -hmm. you just get little glimpses of story like in predator 2 i did love that they established uh that they've been around since the at least the 1700s or 1400s whatever that gun said on it it was like some um flintlock pistol right well i mean if i mean i'm skipping ahead but you get to alien versus predator and they talk about how they were there since the Mayans or something like that. Yeah, since like way before, like there was a pyramid in Antarctica up and before it was a frozen tundra. Right. Um, and also, really cool little shout out that they included a pred- uh, an alien skull in the predator ship in the trophy room in predators too. Yeah, predator that's two. what started the whole like alien versus predator kind of shared thing. universe yeah. thing. Yeah, like that's one of the first Easter eggs. I, I also remember. like that in the the mythology of it in Alien versus Predator, they talk about how Earth kind of was their like. Uh, what's the becoming a man kind of thing? Oh, it was like a rite of passage. Rite of passage, yeah, for uh, a predator. You know, you have to go onto this uh, planet that's kind of dangerous and, and survive, and bring back a trophy kind of thing. And that's why you have the first movie. Yeah. Like that predator that Arnold goes up against is, but was supposed to come there and become a man. It was like his bar mitzvah. Yeah. And Arnold just like fucked that up. That up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you think of that that add addition to the mythology? No, I like that idea. I like the idea of a of an apex hunter that's so far out there that you know we're game, we're you know fodder for their rituals or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you know, pay us no attention. We're not a threat. Well, I mean, they're dangerous, but no more so than any other wild animal, essentially. Right. And uh, I really like that aspect of it. You know, like man used to be the most dangerous prey or whatever, and now there's something else hunting man or something so <laughs> pretty sure that's a tagline on on one of those movies <laughs> probably yeah it was some old literary classic but uh so i feel like it's a property though that it was the right elements at the right time due to being at the height of like 80s action movies where you can have a super bonkers concept like that and play it straight and it works um i think they got way too re- self-referential and silly afterwards okay uh i mean prey the inverse predator was pg-13 because they didn't trust enough in the property to uh make it rated r right and that was also like the early 2000s when they because they even did the same thing with freddy versus jason they made it a pg-13 movie it's like the idea the studios were like well we want these two big properties but we want as many people as we can to come watch it yeah and don't get me wrong i will sit here and, and tell you that Unless you're going to do certain things in your movie, you don't need. I think I I honestly think that the perception of violence works as well, just as well, if not 
better in a lot of cases than actual vinyl. Like, I don't need to see the actual spine being pulled out of a, the back of the of the of a guy. I can still get that from ha- hearing it off screen. Yeah, or just see like a few bodies strung up and skinless. Yeah, exactly. Now you want to show boobs or sex or you know an actual person getting hit by a car i guess like then i can get you i'm like all right let's let's see that r rating but like some of these movies like some of these times when you when you when they're like they're fighting so hard for this r rating it's like i don't understand why you don't you don't you didn't do anything really that i couldn't have seen or used my imagination in a pg-13 movie you know make a mental note because this reminds me of one of the points i wanted to discuss about the new movie okay about like the r rating and things you can and cannot show right because uh, there's a line where Olivia Munn's scientist character, biologist character, they question her about, uh, yeah, why does this thing have human DNA? And she's like, so the real question you're asking me is you want to know if someone fucked an alien. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that is not what anybody is asking here. That's like, exactly what those guys are asking. <laughs> look at them. Look at look at uh, Jake Busey and Sterling King Brown in, the, in those scenes. They are literally chomping at the bit to, to ask something like that. So that brings me to a quick side note. Uh, so kind of skipping past Alien vs. Predators, two movies. Then okay. we go to the next entry into the, the canon, which was Predators. Predators. Right. Um, which Adrian Brody did say that he would love to reprise his role from that character. Not that you really could because at the end of that movie, he's still stuck on that planet. Well, it's potential that him and his lady friend hijack a predator ship or something. Yeah, because everybody knows how to just drive foreign vehicles. Yeah, well, I mean, again, we'll get back to that with this new movie. But uh, just kind of an interesting side note. So I was reading some behind-the-scenes stuff about that movie, and apparently there was a scene where two of the survivors um, had killed the predator and were eating it. You know, so they basically had gutted it, were cooking it. And as a joke, one of the people was trying to make another one eat a predator dick. <laughs> In which movie? In Predators. Really? Yes. Okay. But obviously, that didn't make it to the final film. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so they're eating a predator because, you know, they killed it and there's no other food around. It sounds like the uh, Lawrence Fishburne scene, maybe. Maybe, yeah. As a joke, one character tries to make another eat a predator dick and said, just think of it like a hot dog or something. It's like, <laughs> ew. That's just... Like I, it made me wonder, did it have mandibles? But uh, yeah, that's pincers. <laughs> pincers. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, we get to Predators, and it it felt promising. It felt like you know what? It's trying to go for the tone of the original movie, mm-hmm. except that part of what made the first movie great, in my opinion, is that all of those guys were very charismatic and played off of each other really well. You get that they work as a team. Whereas yeah, but I w- I would say that a lot of those guys in that first movie were so one note. You don't know anything really about any of them other than the fact that they were all part of Dutch's crew. But they're charismatic. They're not charismatic. They are like, so. You, Jesse the Body Ventura. Has the one line where I don't got time to bleed. That's it. No, and he also says he's a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Yeah, no one remembers that shit. 
Come on, man. I mean, really? You, you, with, you with, really enjoy all those characters? Yes. With, you were uh, such an 80s baby. I am. <laughs> that is exactly correct. I'm not going to deny it. But it was just so... Even the characters with so little screen time... Like, Billy says almost nothing throughout the movie. But yet, when he speaks, there's so much gravitas because you understand he's a man of few words. And when he expresses that he's afraid, <laughs> and he says, you're not afraid of anyone. And you know... Oh shit, he he understands. Like this guy is like in tune with nature. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a Native American stereotype. Very much but, so. Like it works. It fits and like he's like he, you could say he doesn't have a character. I'd say that his character speaks volumes by not speaking. And that goes with a lot of these other guys. Like you actually like them. You care about them to some degree. And um you know, as they get picked off, it's you know, like, oh, man, I like that dude. Like, uh, you know, you you wonder how it would have gone differently if they would have made it longer or if, uh, you know, things have been different. But that's just how the story plays out because Dutch has to be, of course, the hero. Um, you don't get that with Predators. Like Danny Trejo, who I like just because of his association with Robert Rodriguez movies, just he's like the first one to die. You don't really know anything about him other than he's like a cartel guy. <laughs> He and like I think his weapons were Uzis. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And then he just gets dispatched and nothing else. And it's like yeah, oh, but I okay. think that was more of a that was more like Scream, where you you kill off Drew Barrymore in the first. I mean he. I mean, I would say that he's probably one of the bigger names in that home in the whole movie. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Him, this, this Adrian was Brody had already by Robert Rodriguez. Right yeah. Now. Exactly. So you expect you expect Danny Trejo to live throughout the movie, and then. He's dead. So this was around the time as well when Topher Grace was trying to break into movies? No, he'd already br- tried to break into movies. This is him trying to resurrect his career after Spider-Man. Ah. After Spider-Man 3. So, so. at this point, he'd already done that Dennis Quaid movie and uh, mm-hmm. all that other stuff. That and went a out. date with Tad Hamilton and... Uh, what was that 80s or early 90s movie he tried to do? Oh, well? Take Me Home Tonight? Yeah. Yeah. That was so, bad. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, I enjoy that movie, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I I didn't buy Adrian Brody as a badass. I mean, he was cut. Really? I, I did buy him as as a military dude. And, oh, and side note. Okay. What is the name of the woman in this movie? In this movie? Yes. Well, in Predators. Oh, in Predators? Yes. What's, I know the actri- actress's name. I don't know the character's name. Well, the actress. Oh, Alice Braga? Okay. She was in a lot of things in a very short period of time. She was. She was in Repo Men with Jude Law. She was in... Um, uh, I think that's the one you took from me. But there was another one. Oh, I Am Legend. She was in I Am Legend. And she was in this. And there's a couple other things that and kind now, of... Right, currently, she's on a TV show in the USA called Queen of the South. Where right. she plays the head of a cartel or something like that. Without sounding too crass, um, who was she performing favors for to get into all these movies during this period of time? I don't think that's. I think that's that's terrible for you to say. One, <laughs> uh, I do think that that's the way Hollywood works. Is that not what you said? But but <laughs> like someone gets in a big role, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, we'll just keep putting her in other stuff." I mean, her agent, whoever that person is, was doing a great job for her and getting her into big titles and stuff, but. Obviously, all those those movies didn't strike it huge for her, so she ended up she like now she's at she's on TV. Like I believe she's in New Mutants also. She's the she plays Doctor Reyes. Oh, so yeah, so 
another Topher Grace that came out of this. Unfortunately. Basically. <laughs> I mean, I did like a couple of characters, though. I liked Walton Goggins, um, but mainly just because I like the actor. Walton Goggins is awesome. Yeah, I like the Lawrence Russian Fishburne dude. really doesn't do much in the movie. Other, yeah. I mean, he, he's a cool little side character that, you know, has been stuck there for however long. But then again, look at after this movie, what's Lauren Fishburne really done since, since then? He's like a bit part in John Wick. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's the Perry producer White. of Black Blackish. Hey, that's right. He was in Perry White and Ant-Man and the Wasp recently. Oh, that's right, yeah. But still, I mean, he's not getting main roles. He's not yeah. getting leading roles. He's not doing cash money roles right now. He's not doing main, any Matrix movies, that's for sure. <laughs> Although I heard that they're trying to reboot those, but that's a whole other They thing. are, but yeah. That's... Um. So yeah, I, I wasn't too thrilled with the characters. I like the actors more so, and that's probably the only thing that really kind of gives it some points for me. Like I like Adrian Brody. I just didn't like his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't buy Alice Braga as a elite sniper. Um, I like the, I like the samurai dude, the yakuza dude. But the yakuza dude was he cool. He gets killed pretty easily too. But he also has virtually no speaking lines. Yeah, and I think when he does speak, it's all in Japanese. Yep. Um. So he's just kind of like wordlessly following along until he finds a samurai sword and is like my honor has been regained or something <laughs> well i think that that's the interesting thing like if you take into account the whole uh we, we 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 send one of our young ones to earth to try and become a man thing this is them bringing game to them and having to kill it on their own home home plan like what's what's the strategy here like and they're they're literally taking the worst of the worst or the best of the best however you want to say it, people that have killed lots of diff- lots of other people and trying to pin up pin their people against those guys maybe predators are terminally depressive but they want to you know get taken out by something but then they feel it has to be somebody worthy we also get the idea of like uh, the fact that there's tribe mentality on the on the predators planet oh, yeah. like this is where they introduce that there's two different types of predators. at least two different yeah yeah and that actually makes sense because uh one of the predators that you find, uh, well, the characters find a predator that looks like it's been captured, and it looks very similar to the predator from the first movie. Yep, because that was a big deal that they were they were using the original head from the first movie, like yes. for the first time since the first movie. Yeah, that's right. And then the predators that had him captive looked more like the predator from the second movie. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that these two were like warring factions or. Uh, you know, opposing clans of some sort. Um, and Lawrence Fisher's character described it as sort of the difference between dogs and wolves, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a weird analogy because it's like technically they're both the same species, but one is definitely like would be a little more feral and superior. Right. Whereas the other one would be more, more intelligent, but domesticated. Correct. So I was like, is that what they're trying to say? Cause they didn't really establish that. Like, you know, they both use technology and are also both very like, you know full of ferocity so like they didn't really do a good job of characterizing that so it should opinion. have been more like wolves versus tigers uh yeah probably something or lions versus tigers like just two different kind of cat species or something mm. i mean it would have made more sense though if it turns out that like let's say the the, the dog predators were smaller mm-hmm. but were more intelligent and relied more on technology technology and uh, the other ones were bigger, but had less armor, less reliance on like the blasters. Maybe they use more hand-to-hand combat or more spears. Uh, and, yeah, and, you know, knives and all that. Right. That that would have been cool. Like that would have given you something more visual to go off of. Built some more lore, some more, uh, 
you know, like backstory to it. But ultimately, it just kind of fell flat. I felt like it, it was too light on story. Now, granted, the first Predator was very light on story. Not, like I said, it's not high art. It just presents a scenario. It's a movie that works great. Even if you take the Predator out, you still have, you know, guys in the jungle. Uh, they kind of get double-crossed or tricked by the person that's their leader or the, the person that hired them to come over. You know, they thought they were there for a rescue mission, but it turns out it was just to obtain intel. So it was kind of a black ops mission. Um, and then you just happen to throw in a sci-fi element into it to shake things up. Uh, Predators doesn't really have that. Like it, it relies entirely on the sci-fi premise, but it doesn't really do a whole lot more world building other than it also introduces you to the concept of A, a game planet, I guess, mm-hmm. and Predator Dogs. Yep. That's pretty much it. And, well, Predator Dogs, you know, are canon because they make an appearance make in this, this movie, movie too, yeah. this newer one. So I guess that will bring us now to The Predator. So Okay. I didn't like it. <laughs> you did not like it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I would definitely say that, I mean, there, there, you can see that this movie had a lot of fiddling with it afterwards in post-production. Yes. Because there's a lot of, there. Not, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are many points in the movie that just get dropped. That, you know, the loose ends that I, I assume will probably come out in the Blu-ray in extra features or an extended cut or something like that. But uh, I really I really dug it. I, I, I dug all the characters. I dug the loonies. I, I, I really respected Boyd Holbrook, which I've never really been a big fan of his until this movie. Um, and I think Olivia Munn pulled off a great job. Uh, obviously, I think they could have done a lot more with each one of those characters, but... Uh, the the what we saw with them, I I was behind it, and I love the little things that Shane Black does. Now, bring into account that Shane Black was in the original movie as uh as one of the characters. I don't know, did he write the original movie? No, he was brought in during filming to punch up the script. Okay, so he went and wrote and directed this one, and uh, I've said this before. <laughs> I, I like Shane Black movies, Long Kiss Goodnight, or I'm sorry, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, his Iron Man three, I wasn't, I didn't think it was the greatest, but it's still good. Um, what's the oh, the Nice Guys? I I think that's a uh, nice guys a amazing. really great movie. Yeah. I, I just think that he thinks he's hilarious and he <laughs> says the weirdest things and has the weirdest scenes that go on for way too long, and it, they don't really hit with a lot of people. And no. there's definitely a few scenes like that in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but overall, I, I, I really dug this movie. I thought it was great. My problem with the movie, I feel like it would have been a serviceable movie. if they. But it felt like they shoehorned in the Predator property into it. Really? So what yes. would you have seen it as otherwise? Like just a regular alien? It could have been just a regular... Well, because they, they talk about a warring faction. Uh, they mention like some sort of unrest or civil war between predators mm-hmm. where some predators apparently are trying to help humans because the other predators are trying to... like. Essentially, what they, they, they posit is that uh, they the predators see that Earth is a planet that's about to die. It's on the verge of, of becoming extinct. So they want to take species from Earth so that they can uh, harvest the DNA to make themselves better fight, better hunters, better killers. Yeah. So keep going. I cut you off. 
um yeah but like you could do that without having to have the predator property attached to it because they it feel every time they reference something to a previous predator movie it's a callback but it doesn't feel like they're adding anything new to it um you know they reference that oh there was an incident in 87 and then another in 97 mm. and then they never reference it specifically but jake Busey's character is supposed to be the son of gary Busey's character from predator 2 correct who's essentially still working for the government but not in like a science division mm-hmm. um it there's a lot of things that don't make sense though like they have my main problems are with plot okay. it definitely feels like this movie was longer it feels like justice league to me where there was a different movie that was shot and then they went in and they didn't like it and they did reshoots and they cut it up took out a lot of stuff and then just kind of threw it out there and i i like the actors uh boyd holbrook just like you said that guy is i i love that dude ever since i saw him in wolverine mm-hmm. or logan logan yeah i was like this dude is awesome like i'd watch this dude in anything like if they ever redo uh tombstone he has to be doc holiday i can see that and um i mean i like olivia munn for just because i like her since back in the days of attack of the show right. or whatever um i honestly i like I, I knew her in attack of the show i watched it but i like when she did the newsroom that sold me on her as an actress i see i never watched that yeah. but uh um she was great in magic mike <laughs> her two scenes that she was yeah in. she was in um I like, uh, I mean, Thomas Jane. I love Thomas Jane, and I love that he, he does this Tourette's thing, and, and Shane Black did that because he also has Tourette's, which I did not know. Oh, well, that explains a lot about his writing now. <laughs> yes, it does. It, it explains a lot. Uh, I like the, is it Jordan that, Peele? Or no, it was Keegan. Keegan-Michael Keegan. Key. Okay. That Keegan. was one thing I didn't understand about their relationship, and you had um, fucking Alfie Alvin, whatever his name is. Alfie Allen, yeah. Yeah, him explain to Boyd Holbrook's character, like, what was the deal between those two guys, uh, Keegan-Michael Key's character and Thomas Jane's character, and I could not understand what he was saying because his Irish accent is so thick. Yeah, I watched the movie, uh, full disclosure, I was very drunk when I saw it. Okay. Which I felt was, like, the perfect way to watch it so <laughs> I could enjoy it. Um, I got the impression he was saying that they were lovers. That's what I kind of got the impression, too. Because they do like a Romeo and Juliet style, like killing each other to put each other out of their misery. I didn't even think about that. That the fact that, that they kind of pull that off at the end, yeah. But oh. yeah, I kind of got that idea too. Like, they, they, it's something about their whole squad ended up getting killed, and they were the only two left. But they were also lovers. But I could not tell you for sure if that's what he said. Yeah, that that's. I mean, that's the impression I got, and I was drunk, so it sounds like we might be onto something. Here. Okay. Um. I mean, well, that was progressive. I give him, you know, credit for that. Cause that's not something you would have seen. The first movie was definitely very uh, hetero, uh, yes, you know, centric. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Ventura drops the f bomb a couple times. Not that one, the other one. The other one, yeah. Um, so yeah, like that was kind of interesting. There was a lot of interesting character traits and quirks, more so than in Predators. Also, it gets really confusing when you start talking about these movies now because they're not numbered sequentially. No, they're not. So you have Predator One, Predator Two, and then you have the uh, not Predators, and now it's the now, Predator. Now it's the Predator, right? Which is like what is happening here? Like these <laughs> are all jumbled up. But anyway, we can just call this Predator Four. I think would make it more okay. Yeah. So Predator Four. Infinity Predator. Um, 
they uh, th- there was a lot of aspects about it that I liked. It wasn't a horrible movie. I just didn't like it because I feel like it wasn't a worthy sequel or soft reboot to The Predator. Um, I didn't like where they went with the plot at the end. Um, I guess we've kind of been discussing spoilers, but full spoilers now for oh, the ending you, of the movie. I mean, we waited long enough. This yeah. is It's about a month after it came out. All right, so f- for spoilers for the ending, um, turns out that one of the things that the predators are trying to bring to humanity was anti-predator hunting gear okay which basically um it it it, it's completely separate from like regular predator gear because regular predator gear is just usually like a shoulder mounted cannon or a helmet and gauntlets right no this is like full body like iron man armor this is yeah it's essentially it is iron man armor from avengers 3 it's all nanobot technology and it it encases encases the person that it's that's wearing this gauntlet this bracer uh in a predator looking suit iron man suit and it, it moves exactly it, the same yeah like in the shane black's iron man 3 where that was the first one where the suit can fly to him right yep exactly yeah. you're absolutely right and then uh it also like it, it essentially just moves the person around and and fights off targets and stuff like that so so why would you need to have a person exactly <laughs> i mean that's yeah that that ending is obviously really that that post-credit ending not even post-credit it's more of a postscript ending like it, it the the movie could have ended when they defeats they defeat the omega predator the super predator the super predator and i would have been fine with that but when they show you what's in the box like it it just kind of like oh well i see what you're trying to do and it's not good because why would you want why would why would, well obviously boyd hoberg's character is like i'm wearing that like kind of thing but it's like that's my suit he's not it, it's a suit that's not going to it, it can do everything on its own. It just needs a body inside of it. Yeah, like it... it it's, it, it's almost like you could just throw a dead body in there, cadaver. Yeah, it, <laughs> it just it needs the shape. It formed around one of the scientists, so obviously it doesn't care who it gets on. It no. Just, it, and it, plus, it also still has the same, like, dreadlock helmet look. Yeah. I was like, but humans don't... Like, those are practical for the predator species. Well, like, that's it, part of them. Yeah, so it just... It was really ridiculous. There was just... Ah, the the whole side plot, or not even side plot, it's actually really integral with um, Boyd Holbrook's son having autism, mm-hmm. but Olivia Munn explaining that, you know, there's a theory that uh, people who are on the spectrum are actually like the next level of humanity, essentially like mutants. Right. They have higher cognitive skills. and They, they just, absorb all information at once, and that's the reason why they have problems. And- yeah, so this kid has like super memory and he also can learn the predator's language and deciphers their technology well i mean they've they've done that in movies you know going back to mercury rising with with bruce willis the the young autistic kid is able to look at a code and and break it instantly it's supposed to be an unbreakable code from the cia like the the idea is not new like the character in um with the character of worth and cube Who's like yes. a human calculator? Yeah, yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah, so I mean, that was like I don't know, but the, what really killed it for me though was at the end of the movie, where he's also working at this high tech facility, like you know, one of the top scientists there. Well, yeah, that was that was also dumb, but it's it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's allowing him to be there because he can crack the code and read the language and stuff like that. I I get it, but yeah, no no lab, no government lab would allow him to be that close to anything. Other than just showing him, hey, this is what we see. And what so do you casually. make out of that? Yeah, exactly. But it's at this point, it's just it's just a, a fun movie. So I, I get it. It's a fun movie, but it lacks heart. 
See, I I don't feel that. I feel like Boyd Holbrook's character brings a lot of heart to this movie. He's charismatic. They 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 do a lot of things right. Like I said, I I'll give the movie credit where credits due. Like the char- the the actors, I feel more ingrained with them than with usually with the characters that they're portraying. I really like the villain character, the human villain, Sterling K. Brown's character. Yes, um, because he was very like just devious. And I, I really love the moment where he figures out that, you know, there was a diversion being made. Like, right when he figures it out, you know, that's when they get basically uh, the drop on them that uh, the humans were using the Predator cloaking technology. I thought that was a really cool idea, too, that using more of Predator tech throughout the movie as opposed to, like, just at the end by accident or, like, out of necessity. Because uh, I think Arnold never uses Predator tech but uh, Danny Glover does yep. when he takes that uh, disc. And then it happens a little bit more, too, in a couple of the other movies, um, except in Alien vs. Predator, where she just she gets gifted like an alien skull and a tail spike, and that's what she uses, and then they give her like a little scar on the face saying, yes, you're one of us, <laughs> and then yeah. leave her to die in the yeah. Antarctic. <laughs> um, but ultimately i just felt like maybe it was a victim of the reshoots i i know that a lot of behind the scenes pictures that came out before the movie released showed predators working side by side with the the humans uh, there was a famous picture of like humans and predators both riding a tank uh in the in the woods mm-hmm. which probably took place in that final scene yeah um but that was nowhere in the movie mm-hmm. and the movie definitely felt like uh, scenes ended too quickly or without resolution. Well, you also had the scene like where Olivia Munn's character completely dis- disrobes and shows no uh, threat to the predator, and he just leaves her. Yeah, that would be canon. That he, if she's not a threat, then just whatever. But yeah, it doesn't really come into play later. Even even her, she even goes in, and, but she makes it a point to mention it to Boyd Hopper's character to be like, "Hey, uh, just so you know." When I was completely vulnerable and, and didn't pose a threat, the predator didn't didn't kill me. But if they had just left it at when he walked past her, we would all know like, hey, that's a reference to earlier movies. The, he, she doesn't pres- pose a threat, so she he doesn't kill her. But then again, she makes it a point to say it to him. So now it's got to be like, oh, well, then he's going to use that later, and it doesn't. It never shows up. Yeah, and also I hated the fact that they never explain or. I mean, I guess maybe we're supposed to infer that she's like military scientist, but she yeah they goes, ne- they never do explain that yeah she goes after the predator like on foot, and it reminded me of like Men in Black when Will Smith's chasing that alien in the beginning. Uh-huh. I was like, this alien is clearly physically superior, but she's keeping pace with it, <laughs> and she's trying to shoot it down with the trank gun. With the trank gun. I'm like, really? But I think that's just that's that's just the unfortunate part that we just didn't get more of her backstory. You can't say either way whether or not she had, she's had some type of military it, it training. It just seems really weak, though. That'd be like, you know, the beginning of the first Predator movie. They just drop off all these guys in the jungle, and they make no references to being in the military. They're just all there, and you know. I wouldn't just... say that's exactly the same. I would say if you would okay. So if you take Terminator Two: Judgment Day, if you didn't have the part where um, John Connor, young John Connor, explains that Linda Hamilton's character had been, uh, you know dating all these guys from all these different aspects of life that would train him and her in different 
combat things and you just saw her show up you know being able to hold the gun and stuff like that you still would you'd still you'd be okay with it you wouldn't be like oh well this doesn't make any sense what her character from the first movie to this movie well no it makes perfect sense though and that scene is very critical now um you're kind of definitely reaching on something that's very close to my heart i think terminator 2 is probably my favorite movie of all time okay uh just simply because it's such a masterful like class in filmmaking and storytelling and special effects utilization it's just i think it's just an all-around perfect movie like you could study that okay i wasn't insulting the movie no 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 but what i'm getting at is that it did it did a really well good job of using that moment of exposition to basically give more rationale to something that could be inferred but actually explains it with more detail. Like, yes, it makes sense that Sarah Connor, after the events of the first movie, would be like, okay, so now I'm living with a purpose. I need to make sure that my son, who is going to be the, the savior of humanity, you know, I have to build him up to that. He's not just going to be born and, you know, grow up into that automatically. Like, I have to do that. Like, you know, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. This movie, I mean, okay, let's go back to Predator. In the first movie, you have one female character. She happens to be one of the guerrilla soldiers that's at that base that they infiltrate, mm-hmm. that the whole thing was the whole ploy of Carl uh, Weathers to get him there. Right. Um, Dylan was his name? Dylan, yeah. And, um, yeah, she's there. She, so, like, you know, you understand that she's a, she's a fighter. She knows how to use guns. Like, what if they ran into just some random village had no explanation for anything and then all of a sudden she's just seen knowing how to like use an AK-47 and you would use context clues of the fact that she's in the middle of a jungle and you know the guerrilla warfare is going on and that's why you know it's okay so what context clues do we have for Olivia Munn other than the fact that she obviously has some type of has some type of high security clearance that she would get into there and that they would know about her you, do, the, you don't know they that were she gonna did. kill her at the end of that. I don't no, think she had any security. Clearance. That's more of Sterling K. Brown's like characters, like uh, downfall. That's that, that's put in there so that she he can be a villain. Like he's he's he like they're not even government. Those guys are uh, uh, was it security whatever. They're 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 like Blackgate. It was like uh, Amanda or Waller Blackwater. saying they weren't cleared for this anyway. Uh, if, yes, exactly. <laughs> Right, so we'll agree then. This movie's on par with Suicide Squad. No, that's, that's <laughs> not you. You're putting words into my mouth. All right, so the other, one of the other parts of the movie is that uh, we do get the super predator, and the idea is that now they are not only just going to other planets, they also are gene splicing, uh, you know, the idea. Like, they took human DNA, as you said earlier, whether or not an alien had sex with a human, but they... they the idea that they came to this planet twice, if you don't count Alien versus Predator, and both times they were defeated by humans. So humans are a valued uh, or valid uh, fighter. So they use human DNA to pump up their own. Now they're going to take uh, the DNA from Holbrook's son, who's obviously a master strategist and able to crack codes and stuff like that yeah i really like that misdirect that reminded me a lot of the first x-men movie yeah exactly he mentions the person i'm after is what was his name mcconnor mcgillis something like that mcginnis his character's name i don't know what you're talking about um and yeah uh, boyd holbrook's name in the movie oh and logan no, in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah, like, like McGinnis or McGinnis. whatever. Yeah, so at Keller? one Keller? 
McKellar? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it was a mix something. Yeah. So there's a point where, for the first time ever, we have predator speech like translated. Right. Um, and <laughs> he says, "I'm uh, I'm after like amongst you there is one that is worthy or something like that, mm-hmm. and by the name of McConnor, McGillis, whatever, McKen- whatever it is, McKenna." McKenna, yes. It was McKenna. Um, so you think, oh, he means this guy. And uh, he even thinks that. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, we, we got to get you out of here then. So it turns out, no, he meant McKenna Jr. or whatever, <laughs> like the child, which right. is like, really? And the first thing I thought was like Wolverine saying to Magneto, like, what do you want from me? Why are you always like going after me? And it was like, who says anything about you? Yeah, it was Shoves him aside and they wanted Rogue yep. because she had the thing that they needed. They needed. So I was like, oh, so they're doing that now. I was like, I should have seen that coming. That's <laughs> that's so badly predictable. I think if you hadn't been drunk, you would have seen it coming because I saw it coming. You saw it? Yeah. <laughs> that was where they were going. Like, man, they really need the power of uh, Asperger's. Well, they made, they made a very big point for the predator when he's looking through the helmet into the boy's bedroom he looks at the the drawing and it says mckenna on there and it's like okay so they made it a point so that the the predator knows the boy's name see i didn't even make that connection i must have been sipping my flask during that scene. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, th- that's why the super predator is even more super because he's got all the DNA of all the bigger uh, predators out there, or whatever creatures they've they've done, mm-hmm. and he makes they make it a point to show you that you, he kills the first predator in a very brutal way. Yeah, he did. Well, that super predator is like twice the size of a regular predator. Yeah, this one doesn't really rely a lot on technology. I noticed that I liked. He was way more naked. That's true. I didn't, he didn't think about that. Didn't seem to have any technology. And he's uh, he's basically hunting down this first predator so that he can get back the technology that th- that predator stole. Yeah. So apparently, maybe that suit is. I mean, obviously that suit was made for predators. That's why it has the tendril uh, he- helmet because uh, maybe that was his suit. That's why he was naked. Maybe yeah. I was like, but it wouldn't make the size difference though. Would be like. It doesn't matter. The thing's all nanobots. It's just going to cover uh, whoever. Yeah. It'll just uh, form itself around whatever. Yeah. It could go on one of the predator dogs if they wanted to. If, if they wanted Which to. Which is a plot point we haven't even gotten into yet. We did they, it. They, uh, they used the, the predator dog as a deus machina yes. several times in this movie. They domesticated by lobotomizing it. By lobotomizing apparently. it. Yeah. I, I constantly thought that at some point that it was, after it had been lobotomized, it was going to attack the, the, the super predator because it was now loyal to the humans but it wasn't it's just it literally is lobotomized it just wants to play yeah which i mean that was kind of cute i like that <laughs> so my ultimate takeaway is that it's not a bad movie in theory but the way the story was told and the editing really kind of bogged it down if there was like a two and a half or three hour extended cut that fills in a lot of these blanks it might actually even be better like i totally agree that the, the extended cut of Batman v Superman totally changed my view on the movie because okay. you actually get to see a lot more of the things that I had problems with during the final movie. Uh, some of the stuff I've seen from deleted scenes of the Zack Snyder cut, uh, either stuff that was screenplay or kind of re-edited it in from trailers. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Like that, I mean, probably it'd still be a crap movie, but it would maybe help make it a little bit better. You know, like it's just the the elements are there. It's just the cook just over seasoned it or you know maybe forgot to add a little bit of the you know 
some of that secret mayo or something. But <laughs> it just failed for me. All right. Well, I, I would love to hear what other people have to say about this movie. Uh, yeah, there's lots more that we could do talking about with this movie. But I think at this point, you understand that I enjoyed the movie, even with its flaws. And John just did not like it as much, even though th- there are points that he did enjoy. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't watch it again. So if you, oh, well, except for when they come out with the extended cut. On, if they do on, that, on I will watch it again. Uh, if you have an opinion on this movie or any of the stories that we talked about today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at at Mitchipedia, G-E-R. John is also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to... Geek, Geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.